Welcome to Spark Science. I'm your host, Regina Barber DeGraff. I'm an astrophysicist, but I'm also a self-proclaimed geek, which is why I love these episodes where we cover Seattle's own annual Geek Girl Con. At this convention, there are panels of comics, movies, and books, with a focus on helping every participant feel like they can be their true selves. At this convention, there's a huge area dedicated to science, also known as the DIY Zone, created by Dr. Rachel Burks, who we interviewed in season four. Every year, we have the honor of interviewing a few of the amazing scientists, engineers, and mathematicians that run the hands-on booths in the DIY Zone. In this episode, we interview the bug chicks who fight against gender stereotypes and insect stigma through entertaining the public. We also talk to the creator of children's books that show how science is in everything. And lastly, we talk with a forensic student who tells us about the realism of CSI. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Spark Science. We are here for the fifth year in a row. I'm so excited because we are talking to the bug chicks who were featured on our show, I think, two years ago. And I'm just excited to be talking to you again. I'm going to let you two introduce yourselves, and then we're going to get right into science. Awesome. Yeah. Right. We are super excited yeah, to be here. Yeah, we are. My name's Christy Reddick. I'm Jessica Honecker. And we are the Bug Chicks. We are entomologists who teach people about the amazing world of insects, spiders, and their relatives, arthropods. And we also use arthropods to talk with young people about managing tricky social dynamics. So we use them to talk about social-emotional learning. Nice. I, I, I loved when you were talking about earlier about camouflage and, and how some animals, they're so camouflaged that maybe you don't even know they're there and, and relating that to, you know, adolescence. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely parallels there. One of the ways that we sort of get into it, just sort of to touch on that camouflage aspect of it is, um, you know, there are, there are situations where, you know, kids are in a group and like you've got to conform to the group in some, in some way, right? But Simulation. How, yeah, exactly, right. but how far do you go and to what end? Arthropods do it because they need protection, but why do students do it? Why do we as humans do it? Sometimes we as humans feel like we need the protection mm -hmm. of a group or, or to not blow our cover. Yeah. And for us, one of the questions that we ask is, have you ever blended in so much that you feel like you disappear? And is mm -hmm. that a good thing? Like when, when does that become detrimental to you as a student, as a person, as a girl, especially, I mean, we were talking about science class earlier, where there is a certain age where the girls in class who were so excited to raise their hand stop raising their hand because they right. just don't want to even be looked at. Right. And so, or it's not cool or to it's be looked not at. Cool to be in science yeah. or whatever. And so that's yeah. It's those kind of dynamics that and they're we really getting want it from attack. everywhere. They're getting it from their in. Yes. You know, their in group of girls. They're getting it from outside of that group. Yep. They're getting it from parents. They're getting it from teachers. Yeah, exactly. They're getting it from TV and how you know smart girls are represented. And in, in, I mean, even Hermione Granger. We were talking about Harry Potter just before this and, mm -hmm. and how she's made fun of for knowing all these things. Absolutely. And, yeah. I mean, she's not celebrated yeah. until much, much later right. when she yeah. saves the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she's Minister of Magic now if you play Wizards Unite. That's by, true. By no, the way. I, yes, I'm with you. Um, yes. I love it. I really liked that because you're here at um, Geek Girl Con and what's the best way to actually get people interested in science is to make some sort of connection to their own life. And here at Geek Girl Con, I think We've been here for many years. I know you've been here for a few years. You're really celebrating these identities where they feel feel like they don't belong. They feel like they have to assimilate, not just, you know, gender, but like, you know, non-gender conforming, people of color, if you're all of those things. And it's just, it's just a really great place to kind of 
say that message. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's the perfect place. And Geek Girl Con is a place where everyone gets to feel like they get to self-express exactly as they want to. And maybe they don't get to do that everywhere else, but this is a place where we get to really celebrate diversity of expression. Yeah, and I think it really lends itself when people swing by our booth if they're a little freaked out. I think even the environment lends itself to people being able to open themselves up a little bit more to trying something, like holding animals that they may not necessarily have done elsewhere, yeah. which right. I, I love. Just yeah. some of the some of the, the changes that happen in people's perception. Even in the 20 minutes that they're at our booth where we're interacting with live animals or showing them animals underneath the microscope, you can see the change in the perception of themselves, others, and the natural world. Yeah. And that is, that's really what we do as the bug chicks. Yes, we teach about six legs versus eight legs, but we, we want to challenge people's perceptions of mm-hmm. who they are and what they think they're capable of. It's got such a far-reaching impact to you know you've got that personal development that happens but also people will learn to understand and care for these animals maybe more so than they did before and then that leads to education and conservation and then we've got sort of a more robust personal ecosystem right where it's like not only are you personally developing but you're also helping to manage and conserve things outside in your own like physical space right I I think it's a I think what you're saying here is making me think of like going from the individual to community yeah yeah and and I think that's it's a hard process for us all to go through as human beings but to actually label that and like highlight it for Mm -hmm. these students is is great right how did you get into being the bug chicks and I'm seeing your hats and you're like you got your logos and (laughs) yeah so this is our business this is Mm -hmm. our life and this is sort of who we are yeah Uh, yeah and uh we met years ago at grad school and I had already started a little production company I was not into bugs as a kid I have a degree in theater I changed my life I wanted to study animals in Africa I took one bug class I had an amazing teacher. He changed my life. And then I started studying animals for my master's degree where I met Jess. And I asked her to come with me to Kenya to film my work over there because I study camel spiders. And she came with me. She put her master's on hold. And That was a hit with my professor. Yeah. <laughs> and about two months in, she was filming me teaching kids and then also collecting camel spiders. And mm-hmm. she was like, where do I sign up for this? Like, this is awesome. Yeah. And that is kind of the moment where it was like, oh, I don't have to do this by myself. Like, we could do this yeah, together because yeah. we were already having such an amazing time together. Yeah. And so we uh, we were still Puget Productions for a while. <laughs> yeah. But there was a professor at the College of Teaching, Learning, and Culture, and he wanted us to make some videos for his students, his pre-service teachers. And so... That's sort of how the bug chicks was yeah. born. Mm-hmm. As he was, he wanted us to be. What did he want us? The bug ladies. The bug ladies, and we were mm-hmm. like, no, no thanks. It sounded <laughs> like eighty-year-old ladies that That's are like ex- in a, boom. in like a motorcycle, and then like they come out. Well, that would be cool. Yes, I mean, no, it, I mean that it, is sound, cool. it sounded to me like octogenarian crews. Right. Like, it just didn't. But you could sound... like grow into it though that it's a long career that, it is that's a like a career, guaranteed but like, honestly success. we're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be the bug chicks to run 99 yeah. and when yeah. when we're old enough to actually be octogenarian crews yeah. then we can be animated and still be the bug chicks right. at the age that we are now right in eternity yeah so th- so your name actually is forcing you it's like a promise to yourself that we have to be this animated yes. forever exactly oh yeah wow. absolutely i do not want to do that to myself but, but <laughs> what do you what do you love about this convention like how how many years have you been here this what is do you our do 
fourth, fourth year? year at Geek yeah. Girl This Kong. is my fifth. We're like the same. Yeah. yeah. We've seen it grow a lot in the last four years, especially the last four years. It's really each year it just seems more and more rich and, and there's uh, so much more experience for, for people to have. I love the costumes. I love that people come into the DIY science zone. Mm-hmm. I I mean, we're a little biased because we're in the DIY science yeah. zone, but we yeah. think it's the coolest part. Yeah, well, I... But it's right next to where you sign up is, like, so smart. Yeah, yes. and it's so... It makes science so accessible. You know, it's like kids make slime and kids right. make glitter bombs and they mm-hmm. come over to the bug section, you know, and so it's it's like a little taste of a bunch of different kinds of hands-on science. They're making hand cranks and motors yeah. and all the stations. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. I loved that. Then they were, with their phones, making these little animations of the, the things that were moving. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, was, yeah. it was so great. Love it. So I think the blend of tech and science is really where we need to go in the future, especially if we're going to hook into popular culture and I think that science hooking into the tech and to the gaming because it is all STEM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of absolutely. it is STEM. And well, everything we do in life, yeah, right? Like everything yeah. is STEM. How you move, how cars work, yeah, absolutely. Works, you know, absolutely. The food, how it's produced, you eat. I mean, like Exactly. Plumbing systems. <laughs> Every like, single thing yeah. is STEM and science-based. Yeah. So so I think they've done a really smart job of, of connecting that DIY mm-hmm. science zone, and we are very honored and privileged to be a part of it yeah. each year. Agreed. You had a very s- small microscope that was amazing. And you can look at all sorts of things underneath the microscope, and, and I think microscopes are another one of those tools that just create engagement for people. Agreed. I didn't take biology in college, so I... I think I just looked at a microscope and I don't remember how long it had been, but it was, I think, a few months ago. And I was looking at like these little worms. What are the C. elegans? Mm. Oh, yeah. And my my colleague works on them. And my daughter and I are just looking through this microscope. And it's so strange how much emotion that will give you, right? Like it's the Mm -hmm. amazement of looking through something like that is it's it's life changing for a lot of these students. It really is. A lot of these kids and adults. It's life changing for adults. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years ago, we were in Guatemala and we were teaching farmers about pesticides and how to use pesticides in a in a responsible way. And and we were we had a fly, a house fly underneath the microscope and this older gentleman, he must have been around 80, came up and he was not really into our workshop all day. And then I said, please, please look in this microscope. And he looked in and he he said, oh my gosh, it looks like me. Look at the hair. It looks like an old man. And then he brought everyone over to look at this fly under the microscope. And Jessica Mm -hmm. and I were holding back tears. I mean, it's this moment where you can see just the the power of changing your perspective. Yeah. 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 I, absolutely. So I'm going to let you get back to your booth, but we're, before we do, from each of you, if each of you could give our listeners a fun fact about bugs that they might not know. Cockroaches basically invented the hoodie sweatshirt. So when you're looking at the back of a cockroach, you're looking at the back of the hoodie. That's the pronotum. It's that shield that covers the back of the head. If you turn a cockroach upright so you're looking kind of at its belly, then you're looking at its face and it looks like it's rocking a hoodie sweatshirt. That is so awesome. That's one of the best ones we've got. I think I'm going to talk a little bit about aphids because I love them. So aphids have two little, I call them like little tailpipes on the back of their abdomen. They're called cornicles. Mm -hmm. And they will actually emit pheromones if there is a predator nearby where one will sacrifice itself and emit this pheromone that says there's a predator around and then all the other aphids will drop off to avoid the predator while the one sacrifices itself. It just dies. Well, I mean, it's eaten by the predator. Yeah. Oh. So, so yeah, it's like this Got altruistic it. 
like group pheromone behavior. Or they get eaten by me. I, we come from a place that has a lot of uh, berries. Yeah, you know, and yeah. And we just eat a lot of aphids just right off the right We off the really yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with we it. We do too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's protein. Yeah, it right? is protein. Yeah. I, well, one last thing. I just realized that we do. We also ask our guests about pop culture. And I think as the bug chicks, you already know a lot about negative, you know, what do I want to say? Representations sure. of yeah, bugs yeah. and all that stuff. We can name a few of those. But are there any, like, good examples of an entomologist or bugs in media, like TV, movie, comics, books. Well, I mean, there's the there's Ant Man and Wasp, right? Where oh. they where they do all of the biomimicry suits and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually a really positive, awesome representation. I don't know that I saw anything in those movies where I was like, mm, that makes me uncomfortable. It's probably because of Paul Rudd. Everyone yeah. loves him. Well, yeah, I mean that's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, and I think I'm gonna go oldie but a goodie. Charlotte's Web. Yeah. Is a is a real empathy builder. And I know mm. that that's not necessarily like pop culture. That's well, pervasive. Charlotte's Web is pretty pop culture. Yeah, it's yeah. pervasive. And and so I think that that is a way that's a great empathy builder for children and people remember that with fondness even until adulthood. We now move from the DIY zone at Geek Girl Con to the exhibitor and artist floor. We met so many amazing artists and businesses dedicated to making science fun and approachable. Our next interview is with Catherine Stocking Lopez, who created children's books that connect all aspects of life to science, technology, engineering, and math. Welcome to Spark Science. We are here on the expo floor again, and we're at a booth called Monsters. I'm here talking with the creator of STEM books featuring these monsters, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. My name is Catherine Stocking Lopez, and I am the author and illustrator and creator of the Monsters STEM STEM story and activity books. And my work, I wanted to create a series of books where each one centered around a subject. And parents and guardians and any adult that has a kid in their life could use them as a springboard, kind of answering the big questions in little monster-sized bites. So like, what is art? The book jumps in, they go through an adventure, um, they're in a museum, they're talking about what is art, why is art, you know, how is art? And then the monsters share their activities at the end. And they're all using common household materials, so you don't have to go out and buy anything, which is awesome as a parent. And then you're learning, how did the, the disciplines cross over? How is their engineering in art? How is their science in art? And as that goes through with this series, I have two right now, one about art and one about food. The next one's gonna be about mechanics. As you go through, it's creating kind of a library where you and your geeklets can kind of work together, go through STEAM and STEM, and see how everything is connected. And then kind of learn some, you know, little personal emotional stories with the monsters too, about success and failure and how sometimes just trying is the best way to do things. So how did this all start? Like how did you, were you like, I'm gonna make a book and I'm gonna relate art to science, I'm gonna make monsters, I love drawing, like how did this all happen? I wish it was that organized. Yeah. I actually went to school for animation. I went to Cal State Northridge, studied under some wonderful people like Charles Zembelis, did character design, and then realized that was really, really fun, but it wasn't everything I wanted to do. And so after graduating, I became an educator. I was a specialty art teacher, I was a contract teacher, I was a camp counselor. I loved that. I loved being able to bring the art into non-traditional settings. And again, you know, my life was going really well, things were connecting, but it wasn't, it wasn't everything. Well, I became a mom, and that was amazing, rocked my world. 
and I looked at all the three different things. I had the art, I had the teaching, I had the motherhood, and I went, you know what, how can I put these together? And that's when I looked back on my characters, and I looked back on my interests, and I looked back on everything, and I went, I can make educational children's books. And so that's how I brought the world together, and then I wanted to make something that was a little weird, a little quirky, a little out there, and made people learn even if they weren't realizing it. So. So walk us through, walk us through maybe your food and science one because sure. I was just looking at that and I, it was beautiful. Tell me a, a little bit about that for like listeners. Sure. So the food one, Munchie Monsters, some of the activities in the back and some of how we go through the food is looking at food not just as stuff you put in your body, but you, you realize that there are fractions in baking. You need that math to be able to bake something like a cake. You have the art in making food absolutely beautiful. You have engineering, you have mechanics. One of the activities in the back is actually using tin foil to create your own cookie cutters. So you first you build up that strength, and you, know, you fold, you're using origami techniques until you have something that's strong enough to cut through the pliable dough. You can make any shape you want. You're using your visuals, you're using your engineering, and then you can create a cookie that looks like one of the monsters, your initial, a teacup, anything you want. But you've got kids working through not only like, you know, structural strength, but visual perception, then the art, then the baking. So you're taking all of these skills and putting it into something really fun, because who doesn't want to make cookies? And getting kids to really think about different ways that they can use these different salmon and steam you know, concepts in, in everyday life and even to have a lot of fun. So we've been asking all of the people we've been interviewing, can you give us a, a fun fact? Like, so like a fun science fact. Sure. Um, or like break a misconception that people have or something like okay. So when you're making oil paint, you, a lot of times oil paints were originally derived from natural pigments. So you could grind up stones like lapis lazuli um, to get really rare colors. Wait, like what? Like lapis. So a lot of the colors like blue was made from actual gemstones and they would grind it up and add to a binder and, and add to an oil and that's how you would get oil paint. So like the, the gemstone like, in, in Steven Universe exactly, is what you're telling right? me. Okay. So tell our listeners one more time the name of that gemstone. Alright, so that gemstone for making blue is lapis lazuli. What's also cool is some of the colors would come from even rarer sources, like um, glands of snails would make a really cool purple. And kind of in some non-ethical times, they would actually grind up mummies to make a color called mummy brown, until we realized that was not cool. And you know, we could also, it's kind of non-renewable source, so we did find a way to make a synthetic pigment. But, wow. Right? I mean, yeah. Right? As, aside from all the moral issues Exactly. That, we do just run out of money. We do just You're run not out of gonna have a, a Constant, lot of you know, locally sourced, uh, responsible, fair trade mummy lines. Yeah, so. not a lot of mummies. <laughs>
Have you ever dropped your phone into a water-bearing receptacle? Yes. And everybody tells you, put it in rice. Yeah. And then you still are like, uh, yeah, no, my phone is fried. Let's say that you had just taken some great pictures of your daughter and they hadn't had a chance to upload to the cloud. You're going to call somebody like me who can actually go into your phone, even though it appears that it's dead. The data is still in there. And there are ways that we can extract that data, even though your phone appears to be non-functioning, we can actually get that data out. We can save those. We can salvage those pictures, for awesome. example. But it's not just the data on a phone. It's the data in a drone. It's the data in your computer. And some of that is extracting data because an individual has had an accident, such as a phone dropping into water. Yeah. Another would be you were accused of having material on your computer either by an employer or by the government so either you've been accused of something criminally or you've been accused of something that could be criminal but is also a breach of your contract with your company one of which is going to put you in jail one of which could get you know you get you fired yeah somebody like me can come in and we can do a digital investigation on that computer and we can find whether or not in fact you had those materials on your computer at any point in time, if you were the person who leaked it, for example, from your company, or if, in fact, you had engaged in criminal activity by possessing certain kinds of pictures, for example. So are you employed doing this now? Are you an investigator? No, but yes. So let me explain that. I'm still a student. Okay. Here at Geek Girl Con, we do many things at once. Absolutely. I'm a full-time student. I'm still pursuing my education. However, I do take small jobs. I've had many friends, family, and just people I don't even know who've been like, so-and-so told me to call you because they said that you can. And Ah. so I actually have a stack of about 15 phones right now. That's a big one is phones that I'm extracting data from in order to recover data for different people. For me, I don't know. As somebody who, I mean, we're here at Gig Girl Con. I love TV. We've been watching Veronica Mars. Like, oh my I, God, love Veronica Mars. <laughs> love her. Yeah. It, this is where we're going to geek out. This is the whole point of this uh, convention. But like, I think mystery is something that's so appealing to many of oh, us. Yes. But it's not just, you know, human. I, I think it's, I mean, that's what science is, right? We're solving mysteries. But I love how your field of STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, is actually solving mystery oh so much and that's what that's totally what drew, drew me to it yeah and don't get me wrong i love math three of my favorite teachers in my life mrs getz my geometry teacher at cascade high school back in the day professor hancher the first time that i went through college which was for a culinary degree don't ask it's weird oh but we kind of want to ask i used to i used to carve meat now i carve data you probably still carve meat I still carve meat, but yeah. my disability is is one of the reasons why I've switched careers. So what are you doing here at Geek Girl Con? Tell us a little bit about the DIY zone, because you said you've been there for the last three years. Yeah, so I started in the DIY zone almost as an accident in 2017. There had been a freak snowstorm someplace back east, and somebody who was an educator didn't make it. And they saw that I had a .edu email, so they put me in there. I don't think that they realized that I was a student because I'm a non-traditional student. So obviously I was probably actually older than whoever the teacher was they had coming in. Right. Since so many of them are, you know, in their 20s and whatnot, have just basically gotten their degrees and are still really enthusiastic about what they do. Yeah. So I got in there and they were all like, oh, where do you teach? And I'm like, oh, yeah, 
I'm a student. <laughs> but I really, really loved that first year. And now this is the one place that I most want to be when I'm at Geek Girl Con. There are a lot of fun jobs, like being part of the response team would be super, super awesome. But there is just something about connecting with the younger generation and sharing your love of science with them and doing something that's crafty and creative and just getting excited with them and and doing something hands-on. Well, we saw you in your booth. You were talking about the expanding universe and you were using the demo of you know, an inflated balloon. And I, I, I teach astronomy. And so I, I really, really enjoyed your demo. Could you take our listeners through just your spiel? Basically, you take a balloon, get some balloons, get some Sharpie markers. That's all that you need for this project. And so what you're going to do is you're going to take your balloon and you're going to blow it up just a little bit. We're talking about the size of two to three tennis balls, maybe. I mean, we're, we're talking very small. Yeah. Have the, the child hold the balloon so that the air is trapped inside of it and that it's steady. And then they can take those Sharpie markers and they draw on it. And basically what you tell them is, so when the universe first started, it was a baby universe, you know? And so it was small. Here's our, our baby universe. Right after it started forming, the galaxies started to form. So we can make the galaxies on our baby universe. So you have them draw all over the balloon. And now the universe is growing up. And so we're going to blow the universe or rather blow the balloon up so that it expands and the balloon expands just like the universe expanded. And so just like when the universe was young, the galaxies formed and then as it expanded, so did the galaxies. Well, they're going to see that on their balloon. And so I asked them, what's happening to your galaxies on your balloon? And they're like, they're fading. They're getting further away. And and they can see this in action every time that they do that, which is really exciting. I will ask one thing that we ask all of our guests, and since we have your time, I'm going to do it. And we are also at a Geek Girl Con. Can you think of forensics or anything that you're doing with these phones or astronomy, because you're helping out with that demo? How has that been portrayed in the media, good or bad? Can you think of a, a couple of things that we could talk about? Well, I, first of all, I'll, I'll tell you, I was a NASA scholar. So that's probably mm -hmm. one of my draws towards <laughs> the astronomy thing. Yeah. I know it's kind of like, what? Where'd that come from? That's left field. But it's yeah. just, it's an interest. So it is what it is. Yeah. How it's portrayed in the media there's a lot of bad representation out there. There's a lot of stuff that is just so out of reach. You'll watch like the CSI TV shows where they have forensic investigators. Their forensic investigators do everything. They do the, the actual like dead body type forensic stuff as well as the digital. And, and that's kind of rare. First it's of a all, couple different fields. Yeah. And second of all, they'll have them have these computers that are just floating in the air and they just swipe the screens in the air. And I'm like, okay, this is a government entity. They don't have money that is for that. On a budget. <laughs> yeah. Even if some of that tech exists, which some of it does, they don't have it. Yeah. They are poor. <laughs> they do not have that money. These people are not making good salary. Oh, and I love how they're wearing like, you know, all designer clothes. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, those pants cost more than you made last year because the fact is these are civil servants and they are not making that much money and it is not that glamorous. Now, if you're passionate about it, you're passionate about it. So, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. So I do find 
that as I'm watching things on TV and in movies, I'm like, oh my God, that's inaccurate. Oh my God, that's inaccurate. And it really bugs me. Then I just, I settle in. I'm like, just enjoy it. It's fiction. It's fiction. Can you give us a fun fact about forensics, the investigative stuff that you're doing? We're going to, we're going to straighten out a very big misconception. The word password is not a flippin' password, people. (laughs) Please, 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 for the love of God. Stop using the word password as your password. We'd like to thank the Bug Chicks and Vanessa Primer for taking time away from their busy DIY booths to talk to us. If you'd like to learn more about the Bug Chicks, go to their website at thebugchicks.com. Or you can follow them on Instagram and Twitter. Their handle is thebugchick. We'd also like to thank Catherine Stocking Lopez for talking to us about her books on the expo floor. To learn more about her books, go to mmonsters.com. That's M-M-M-M-O-N-S-T-E-R-S.com. Spark Science is produced in collaboration with KMRE and Western Washington University. Today's episode was recorded in Seattle, Washington at the Washington State Convention Center during Geek Girl Con 2019. Our producers are Suzanne Blaze, Robert Clark, and myself, Regina Barbara DeGraff. Our audio engineers are Zarek Coakley, Julia Thorpe, and Aaron Howard. Script support by Ariel Shiley. If you missed any of our show, go to our website, sparksciencenow.com. And if you have a science idea you're curious about, send us a message on Twitter or Facebook at Spark Science Now. Thanks for listening to Spark Science. <laughs>